Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. I hope you're ready for the Derby. It's this Saturday. If you don't know, it's kind of a big deal here in Kentucky. And good luck for all of you that are betting on it. We got another great episode for you this week as we talk with a guy who's been on one of our sister podcasts a good bit, Kevin Patterson. He's always on Tasting Us for bar conversations, but this time he's around to talk about the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington. Uh, But before we get into all of that, what's pouring Kentucky? Some news and notes around the state. Newport on the Levee will soon be home to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Resort, bringing the development multiple new restaurants and a hotel. The resort will feature uh, more than 260 rooms and three restaurants with the Margaritaville branding. The resort's rooftop will have a 5 o'clock summer bar complete with a pool and a 2,000 square foot event facility. The hotel will go in the empty lot near the Newport Aquarium in in the old IMAX Theater. Construction is expected to start in a year. Margaritaville Resort is joining a lineup of various other businesses coming to the levee, including 16 Lots Brewing, the Brickery Cafe and Play, and the Galley on the Levee. Over in Louisville, Goodbound's Pickleball Yard is bringing pickles and pads to 515 River Shore Drive in Derby City. The city's first pickleball and entertainment complex officially opened its doors and pickleball courts to the public back on April 17th. The 45,000 square foot space boasts six pickleball courts, a game yard with cornhole, bocce, and more lawn games, picnic areas with benches, swings, tables, and shade shelters, an indoor bar that features cocktails with pickle garnishes and rotating beers from 1020 Craft Brewery. Build your own tacos, burritos, nachos, gourmet burgers, fried chicken, and small plates by the Happy Belly Bistro. The courts are open daily, and you can reserve a quarter sign-up for a monthly membership online at their website. L81 is debuting a limited edition peach flavor on Monday, May 8th. The new soda is described as a blend of sweet, sunny peaches with its signature ginger flavor. It will be available in four packs, and there will be a series of events throughout the Commonwealth to celebrate its peachy launch. And Louisville's Ale Trail 502 Beer Appreciation Day returns on Tuesday, May 2nd, and participating breweries throughout Louisville will showcase the best of their craft, offering a selection of special releases and pint specials priced at just $5.02 in honor of, of course, the area code there. You can find more info on the event and the trail at LouisvilleAleTrail.com. But up next is our Q&A with Kevin Patterson. He's a Cicerone, national beer judge, and the manager of the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington. I hope you enjoy. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopSpirits.com. Joining us here this week for our Q&A, he's a good friend of the show, and if you listen to the bar conversations, you'll hear him quite a bit on Tasting Notes talking about all things beer, specifically craft beer. But now he's back on the Kentucky side to talk about kind of his, well, I would say day job, but for you it's more of a night job, isn't it, Kevin? <laughs> well, the day when you're a bartender, your day starts around 4 o'clock, and you know, it's evening around midnight, so yeah, everything's skewed a little. <laughs> so so welcome in Kevin Patterson. He's a Cicerone National Beer Judge, and he's the manager of the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar here in Lexington. And Kevin, thanks for, for joining me, and kind of on short notice, and it's much appreciated. No problem. It's great to be back, and thank you for inviting me. Well, like I said, if you, if folks listen to to you on the Bar Conversations podcast, which is the sister one of the of of Hops and Spirits Kentucky, they can get your insights on on beer. But if they haven't listened to to that, maybe they don't know a, a whole lot about you. So, just the cliff notes, because we're going to dive into how you got into beer and all that. But just a little cliff notes about yourself. 
Well, I mean, this is my third career. Uh, beer has been my hobby since I turned, let's say, 21. Um, but, you know, I, it got, you know, I got bit by the craft beer bug, you know, shortly after uh, I was an adult. And I knew that someday I'd want to be into beer. And uh, so previously, I did a spell in the Army. And then after that, I was, um, you know, practiced architecture for eight years. And uh, a layoff gave me the opportunity to kind of get into the beer world. And so that's, you know, the past 13 years since the beer trap's been open. You know, I've been able to go every day and do my hobby, which was drink beer, talk about beer uh, with people who care about the stuff just like I do. Well, and, and if you haven't, I, I highly recommend swinging by there because you, you'll learn a lot and hopefully you'll be able to share some of that knowledge today. Now, you talked about you know being in craft beer since you were of legal age, we'll say say, <laughs> say that. But how did, how did you get into craft beer? Because um, I'm guessing you're like like most of us it's been it's a little different nowadays than it was a few years ago oh it's always changing and it's changed a lot since i first fell in love but the culture is still the same and for me recognition of that culture really started late 90s whenever i you know did a jaunt in portland oregon and spending time there and going to the brew pub so you know i love doing the flights of different beer and i was exposed to so many different flavors i didn't know was available in the beer world and more importantly to that is I'm drinking these wonderful things. Some are very peculiar to me. Some were kind of off-putting. Some were delicious. But the biggest thing was I looked around, and there was finally, for the first time in my life, like-minded people with me sitting at bars drinking alcohol. Uh, prior to that, it was basically raucous, you know, hole-in-the-wall bars. It was nightclubs. And there's all these different things I would go to because my friends wanted to go. But I didn't really have a whole lot in common with anybody there outside of my little circle of friends. And suddenly I'm in this room full of strangers in Portland, Oregon, drinking these wonderful things. And everybody was so chilled. Everybody was so nice. Everything is so warm and so inviting. It was raw. It was rustic. It was grassroots. And it suited me. So whenever I came back to Lexington, you know, I was wanting to search out those flavors and search out that kind of culture. And I found it in homebrewing. And the homebrew club kind of allowed me to experience that with like-minded people again. And everything kind of fell into place after that. Wasn't long. I got into home brewing, and I would, you know, send my beers to these competitions, and they give me this wonderful feedback. And I'm like, how did they do that? I didn't tell them what was in the beer. They told me just by <laughs> tasting it. And I said, I want to be able to do that. And so that's where my education started. And the homebrew clubs, uh, that's a great gateway into the beer judge certification program. And I've been lucky enough to work my way up the ranks uh, in that program and do some cool things. Then when the beer trap opened, I realized I needed a new set of skills. And a new set of credentials that suited itself not necessarily for home brewers, but now for consumers and customers. So the Cicero program allowed me to do that, which is almost the same kind of knowledge, the same kind of information that I learned through the beer judge certification program. But now I'm using a language that's more friendly uh, for customers and friends and pub goers rather than brewers. And and for those that are, are maybe unsure, you, you kind of mentioned the two things that you do, the the Cicerone program, they they might not have heard that, but if say you're from the wine world, sommelier, uh, you know, master or um, bourbon stewards in in that kind of world. Um, so, what is the Cicerone in the beer world, and what did it take for you to earn that um, credential? Yeah, it's a it's a free online uh, exam that you get to take to just get your foot in the door. The Cicerone.org uh, is the website you get get there, and when you sign up a user account, all of a sudden you have access to uh, a syllabus and the syllabus you read through that when you think you're ready to take the exam uh, you sign up for it it does cost you a little bit of money but then uh, you pass that and now you're a certified beer server and once you pass that the syllabus changes and now the syllabus gets serious 
And so it gets a lot more in depth, a lot more difficult. There's a lot more information. And so that's when you really have to buckle down and really study that stuff pretty, pretty hard. And uh, so it was really fun going through the process. Even if I didn't pass the exam, I was really thrilled to be able to read that stuff and study that stuff and learn it. It was really, really cool. And give people an idea of the Cicerone exam that I took. Uh, there were they, there was room for 30, or I'm sorry, 50 in, in the class itself. Uh, when it comes time to take the exam, many had dropped out. They paid the 300 and something dollars, and many of them had dropped out. There's only 13 of us that sat for the Cicerone exam, and there was only one person that passed that day, and that was me. So it's not exactly easy, and but but it allows you to actually have those conversations with folks when someone comes in to, to, to the bar and go, hey, I like this, or I'm thinking of this, and then you can kind of take that little bit of information and run with it. You can, and it's really kind of fun. I've kind of learned what the keywords are, when people say certain things, what do they generally mean? And sometimes you get it wrong, but most of the time you get in the ballpark, and as long as you talk about the right details of the beer, right details of of what they're experiencing, they're, they can follow you a little bit. What I learned is people, whenever it comes to their palates, is it, it's a very sensitive issue. And if you say something the wrong way and if you offend their palate, you've offended them. So you got to be really, really careful about how you say things and, and, and how you come across to that customer if you expect them to return. And, and on the same lines, obviously, like you said, the Cicerone program is one thing. The National Beer Judge is something different, but in a way similar. Can you explain kind of what the National Beer Judge um, process was like and what it allows you to, to do, so to speak? Yeah, the BJCP, or the, you know, um, the Beer Judge Certification Program, um, you sign up with a homebrew club. And if there's enough people who want to take the exam and, and study the course material, they'll organize a class as long as some of those people are advanced enough to be able to host a class. So usually that's limited to 12, 13 people, something like that. And yeah, you study the information just like you do in the Cicerone program, but the language is different. The information's the same, but the language is different. Uh, for instance, like whenever I'm talking with a brewer about his beer, I may say, well, this English Pale L, it has minor signs of diacetyl. Some people would be off put by that. Some people like it. It's created by yeast that maybe is not doing its job or underperforming. Um, so you might want to check on your yeast health characteristic or choose a yeast that doesn't produce that amount of character in this beer. But keep in mind, some people just don't go like diacetyl. Uh, take off my BJCP hat. Now you put on my Cicerone hat and I'm selling the same beer at the store. And also I want to say this, uh, okay, Mr. Customer, this, uh, beer has a little bit of a buttery flavor. Some people find it really cool in the beer. I have surroundness and flavor as long as it's not so distracting. It can be a little bit of mouthfeel issue. So try the beer, see what you think. So in one, I'm a little bit more critical, a little bit more harsh. I'm going to try to tell the judge, or tell the um, the entrant as a judge, you know, this is where your beer fares against the competition. This is how you make it better. When it comes to the customer, it's basically saying, here's the beer. I'm going to guide you through the flavors. And based on what I'm saying, is there enough information here? Do you have confidence in the purchasing power to be able to buy that beer? So it's saying the same thing, but it's using two different sets of language. I, I love that because that, that's really what it, one's more technical and one's a little more kind of, I guess, micro view, macro view it, it, uh, would be the, the best way to, to phrase that. And obviously you, you enjoy this stuff. When when did it kind of move from just more of a hobby into something you're like, oh, this could be a job, <laughs> but not, not, not a job you, you, you think of like, a, you know, a bad thing. Right. I mean, I was kind of forced <laughs> into it, but I'm glad I was. Um, I was doing real well in my architecture career. I'd passed some exams. I'd done some nice things and had some credentials there. Um, 
And, you know, whenever the economy took a, a collapse in 2007, 2008, that's when I lost my job. And the few firms I was interested in working for wasn't hiring at the time. I didn't want to be on unemployment. I didn't want to do all that long term. So I started seeking out other opportunities. And I recalled a conversation I had a few years prior with some friends. We were sitting at a, another bar and we were all practicing architecture. We'd never had a chance to get together, hardly ever, just as a group. And we said, wouldn't it be so cool if we could just work our 30, 40 hours a week, maybe a home office, retire, and just do this every Friday night or every Saturday night. And around the table, everybody said, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, I want to do that. Everybody want to do that. And I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to do any of that. I want to do something <laughs> in beer. I, I, you know, that's going to be my career. I'm not having a home office. Uh, I'm not going to take a, you know, a backseat whenever it comes to architecture. I want to completely out at some point. Now I want to do something in beer. And I didn't know whether I wanted to work at a brewery or run a tap room or what I wanted to do. My hobby up to that point had been judging beers and traveling quite a bit for that. I'd written some beer columns. They get picked up by some cool magazines. I was very happy to, to have that, but that wasn't going to pay the bills. So I had to get into the, the commercial world of you know beer, brewing, or bar uh, bartending, bar managing to make it work. And you know I was 36 years old at the time. I had no idea if I had the chops to do it. I'd never worked in the service industry a day in my life. Uh, so immediately I jump in there to the bar scene. I'm trying to be a bartender at 36. Now I'm asking 21-year-olds how to do this job. That was pretty humbling. But I knew I had to learn that if I was going to do well in this profession and stay in it long term. And it's been 13 years, and it's been a lot of fun. And at this point, I don't see me doing anything different. And, and I was going to say, and, and you do it well. And like I said, I always enjoy when I when I stop by the beer trap and have a drink and, and talk with you. How did you end up at the beer trap? Well, as a mom, I got frustrated. I went to an interview for architecture earlier in the day. March Madness was just getting started. It was on Thursday. So it was an early interview. It's a firm I didn't want to be at anyway. And I was so discouraged. I didn't know what to do. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go have a beer, watch this game, get a, get a, get a slice of pizza. And we'll do it at Pazzo's. And when I went to Pazzo's, that's whenever their owner, Tom Bear, he saw me. He's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I've been laid off. I haven't been coming in as much. And uh, so I said, you know, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I'm, I don't think I want to get back into architecture, at least not right now. You know, I know you have an end with the beer scene. Tom was, and then Pazos was about the first venue that embraced American craft beer at the time, you know, 2000, 2002. And uh, so I said, if you have an opportunity to get to the beer scene, if you're me, he knew me. He knew I was a practicing architect. He knew I was, you know, doing some other things. And I said, if what advice would you give a guy like me? Where's my end? And he said, you're in us with us. We're getting ready to open this new store. He said, I think you'd be a good fit. So I decided, okay, I'm going to come on for three months to train the staff. And I just never left. <laughs> so it's amazing how, how, how that works. And, you know, for, for those that, that, you know, get to visit the, the beer trap, what can they expect when they actually step through those doors? Well, first of all, you know, if you've never been, it can be a little bit overwhelming because you look to the left of the store uh, and, it, and it looks like a store. There's shelves with beers all over the place. Uh, everything is singly marked price-wise retail to go. So you can mix and match along the wall any way you want. You look to the right, and it's a very classy bar. It's a pretty well-designed place. I think it's warm, it's inviting, it's cozy. And uh, it's a small shotgun-type space, but we try to design it in such a way where it's very inviting. And we try to make it a place where everybody feels welcome, you know, and you know whether you're a guy, a gal, you're close to university. We get a lot of international students coming through. 
behind us is a really well-established neighborhood with a lot of families. So we want the ladies to be able to come and tour themselves. And so I think we've done that. My mantra to begin with has been, beer has always been the common person's beverage. And I didn't want to do anything with the sophistication, with the complexity, with the strength and the variety of beers we have to suggest that we're anything other than that. Beers may get a little pricey at, at times. They may get, you know, uh, strong and they may seem exclusive. But the beer scene is still all-inclusive for everyone that wants to come in and enjoy a beer. Everyone on a middle-income budget can afford everything in their store. So that's one thing I hang my hat on. But you're not going to know that when you first walk in. You have to come up and talk to us. So sometimes I get tickled. Sometimes I get frustrated whenever someone will come in. And they won't come to the bar. They won't come to see us. What they'll do is we'll walk around the room. I'll try to get their attention. And they'll just kind of ignore me. They'll just kind of step away. They'll step to the side. They'll look around. They'll look at every surface in the building they'll look at every face in the building they'll look at every product there before they come to the guy that finally has all the answers so i encourage people <laughs> come talk with me and i'll tell you how to break it down i'll tell you how to make sense of it so that you have courage sitting down enjoying a pint any way you want and and for those that don't know it's 21 and up <laughs> that right? is yep we simply cannot allow anyone younger than that even the the little babies um, we're just not the right venue for that. And sometimes we get challenged on that because so many of the tap rooms do allow that. Um, however, just the way that our insurance and our licensing is structured, we just cannot allow anyone in between on its own. But if you're looking for like a, a fun night out with a group of friends or, or, or a date night nightcap, um, that's a perfect spot. And two, you guys have a food connection with the sister uh, restaurant kind of next door, the Bear and yeah, the Butcher. Yeah, our owner is also on the restaurant next door. So we invite people to get on their menu, go to the bartender, tell them what you want over there, uh, pay for it. And they'll run it over to you just like it's a food truck. It's just a really big food truck. You've got very small wheels. You can't see them, and they don't move very fast. But, yeah, you treat it very much like a food truck. But if their food isn't what you're interested in, we allow you to get food from anywhere you want. You can... You know, Uber Eats from someone across town or get something down the street. We don't really mind either. And and for those that maybe are like, what what's a manager of a, a beer trap, craft beer store and bar do? What does your role entail? Because you are behind the bar, but I'm guessing it's a little more than that on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, during the hours of operation, it's five days a week. I'm behind the bar doing general bartending stuff that everybody's kind of familiar with because it's visible. You see me. So we'll talk about the beer. We'll talk about the nuances. We'll talk about the ball game that's on you want to talk about golf i'll try i'm not a golf guy but i'll give it a shot we'll talk about whatever you want <laughs> we'll, we'll work on uh, that for you <laughs> however there's a lot of things that go on our owner is very good his name's brett and he does very good at handling most of the back of the house stuff he runs the business very well and lets me really concentrate on the front of the house things and so whenever you come in hopefully the place is clean well lit inviting uh, germ free uh, if, if you like all those things that probably had a heavy hand and and all that um, whenever the lights you know, are turned off and the last customer leaves, you know, the general manager also gets busy wiping down everything. Every handle uh, in the place gets, gets wiped down. Everything that a customer touches gets wiped, uh, sanitized. Um, the toilets get wiped down every night, five nights a week. I'm cleaning the base of the toilets myself. So if you think you want to be a Cicerone or a National League Beer Judge and make it a profession, there might be a few things that you have to do to make, pay your bills that they don't talk to you about in those courses. Uh, yeah, everyone has to pull their weight and, and uh, kind of step up, and especially in a small 
establishment with with only a, a few employees uh, per, per 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 day. Now, I know one thing you do love to do is kind of talk about beer trends. We do that a lot on tasting notes on, on bar conversations. So, any interesting trends that you've seen seen recently, or, or something that's just caught your eye that you're like, huh, didn't expect that to be 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 happening these well, days. Well, I think that the seasons are really blurred. I think because right now, you know, sours are still alive in the strong sours. So even though it's summertime, people think they want lighter beer. Well, think again. They still want the heavier beer, the stronger sours, imperial stouts, pastry stouts aren't going away. Milkshake IPAs, 10% alcohol, uh, rich, calorie heavy. They're not going away. So if people are a little bit concerned about calorie counting or uh, maybe the health and fitness uh, aspects of dieting, they seem to throw that out the window whenever it comes to beer, because those beers are red hot right now, and we're selling a lot of those. So the seasonals are becoming harder to talk about because it seems like the season for pastry styles, milkshake IPAs, imperial sours, those seasons are 12 months old. They go year round, it seems like. Um, but we you know, have seen some uptick in some other classic styles too. The lighter beers, the wheat beers, the, the pilsners. I think we've gotten very clever at making pilsners. You know, using some you know, German basic techniques, but using American hops is kind of trendy right now. So we're seeing a lot of that stuff come about. And hopefully uh, I'm seeing a little bit of blip in people taking an interest in, in British shells again. Um, that's kind of been an, an underlier last couple of years. Some people come and ask for them. We just don't have many. But I think right now we're starting to see a, a change. I know Sullivan's out of Ireland. They, they make some really nice things. We're getting those in predictably and within date. And so that's a big deal for us. Um, so we're able to pick up some more of those beers. So hopefully a trend is an old trend and that we're going to reestablish some of the more historic styles or traditional styles. Well, and that's usually what you folks can, I feel like expect to on tap is a few traditional, um, uh, styles and then maybe some other things that you can experiment with, uh, along with obviously having the chance to open a can or a, or a bottle Absolutely. as well. We're you know, everybody comes in because of the Imperial IPA, the hazy this, the smoothie that. But, you know, when it comes to the end of the day, the Hofbrau original, the P German Pilsner, is still our bestseller year in, year out. Now, I do have to ask, obviously, you know, being in Kentucky, the Kentucky beer scene has changed drastically. <laughs> I feel like over probably the last five five years, uh, maybe more, because for a while there, there were only a handful that maybe distributed. I mean, obviously, tap rooms have have uh or breweries have popped up everywhere <clears throat> what what have you seen uh for as far as the kentucky beer scene um you know coming in a little more micro um how has it changed and, and how has that affected you well i mean to come full circle in the conversation the one thing i've really loved is that everybody that's opened a brewery um, they've really embraced the idea of all-encompassing culture making things family oriented you know everybody wants an area for the kids to be and everyone's an area for you know, families kind of hang out and do other things and everybody's so all inclusive. And it, it's, it's really, you know, helped a lot because when we first opened, we were kind of going out alone. Alltech was here, obviously, and they were doing some nice things. Um, but it wasn't quite the same type of, you know, brewery that I saw in Portland, Oregon, or those really small, what we now call nano breweries. Um, and so when we opened up, you know, there's a part of us that felt like on a commercial level, we're having to carry this load on our own. No long after that, Country Boy opens, Wessex opens, and we're off to the races. Ethereal, Blue Stallion, um, you know, Rock House now, and Mirror Twin. You know, and so when we first opened, customers would come in, they'd be, what do you mean you're a great beer bar and you don't have Bud Light? 
It's the most popular beer in the world. Why can't you carry Bud Light? <laughs> okay. And then they would say things like, yeah, can I just get a, a shot of vodka and a glass of water? And I'm like, first of all, who the hell does that? Second of all, no, we don't. We're just beer. So I have to tell people, like, if you like beer, then we're a fantastic bar. If you don't like beer, then we're a terrible bar. Um, and so, but over time, that's changed because now with the help of those other breweries, you know, people have gotten used to, okay, these people just do beer. And they do a very different kind of beer. It's not going to be your industrial light lagers. It's going to be more craft more culinary arts put into them, more thoughtful, a lot of different recipes, a lot of varying flavors. They don't have the same thing necessarily all the time, but they're going to have something that's going to be pretty cool and pretty fun. So people have got more curious when it comes to flavors of food and restaurants. There's a lot of foodies out there nowadays. Um, they're doing the same thing when it comes to flavor of their beverage. There should be no reason why you can't experiment with beverage flavors just like you do food flavors. So the tap rooms have really demonstrated that very, very well. So now whenever I open up a you know, four o'clock this afternoon, the first five customers aren't going to come in just expecting Bud Light and shots of vodka. I was going to say they're expecting a, a wide variety and, and that's what they, they can expect and enjoy. And I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm always curious of this. What's been your favorite pour or pours lately that you, you've had? Uh, let's see. Um, Untitled Art has some nice beers coming through right now. Um, they have a cherry a la mode. Uh, which is a fantastic for about this much. You want about four ounces or less. You don't want a whole can. Um, they also have a pecan pastry stout that I've been into. I've had a couple of sips of them. That's really, really nice as well. Toppling Goliath is our hottest brewery going right now, and they just released a bunch of new ones. Fire Stoker is an Imperial Porter barrel aged with maple and smoked malt, and it's fantastic. Um, they also have a couple of other ones. Dino, uh, Dino Boogie is a variation of uh, they're King Sue. Um, also a variation of King Sue is a seismic Sue. We have that in and we've collected some of these kegs as well. So we're going to do a big um, tapping with Poplin Goliath before too much longer. Uh, the Turmoil series has been really, really good. Uh, six ounce pour will run you a little bit. It's $15 for a six ounce pour. So when you're looking at $2.50 per ounce of beer, it better be good. And guess what? It's fantastic. It's Intelligentsia Coffee Stout. It's the one we have on tap right now. We have another one in the back that's a little bit of a secret, so we're not ready to talk about that one just yet. But to land these massive kegs that are highly sought after and hard to get, uh, we're, we feel very fortunate to be able to get those from breweries like Toppling Goliath. Um, they have kind of superseded Three Floyds and probably our best-selling brewery right now, and that's not easy to do. Three Floyds has had some exceptional have had an exceptional run yeah. at their store. Uh, Bell's has had a good run. Evil Twin has. Um, but right now, Topping Goliath kind of rules the roost. So if you come in and see a dinosaur on anything in there, just do yourself a favor and pick one up. I, I like that. And, and I also like that they're, well, like a lot of breweries out there nowadays, those brand extensions from some of their, their best-selling uh uh, beverages is, is pretty cool to see and i guess my last question is anything else exciting happening at the beer trap because i know one of the things you enjoy doing and have brought back recently is the beer school. yes uh beer school is a tasting we do every sunday uh, unless i'm out of town or i had covid uh we're we're, we're doing it um but it basically is a tasting it's 15 dollars per person it's usually five or six different beers depending on cost Everybody, got, everybody gets between three and four ounces of a pour. And it starts out with an introduction. We kind of give you an idea what that style, what that genre, what today's theme is about. And then we get into the different varieties of the beer and tell you like how this brewery is adhering to the style, how they're setting themselves apart from competitors, or how they suit the theme in some other way. And then we always wrap it up by doing a little 
poll about what do you like best, what do you not. But we'll get into all these different tidbits. I really don't like it being a lecture. I really want it to be a conversation. So if I notice that people's questions are more geared toward food pairings, then we talk about more about food pairings that day. If people are a little bit more homebrewing, we talk about the technical aspects a little bit more that day. If people are in there and just, you know, kind of like birthday parties or anything like that, then, you know, we'll talk about the more whimsical, poetic side of, of beer. So we try to tailor toward whatever that specific groups we want. Um, we, we, we cap it off at 16 usually, and there's a sign-up sheet. You can always go online, uh, thebeertrap.com under Beer School, and find out what the theme is for the upcoming week, and just give us a call. We'll add you to the list. You pay when you come. And any other fun things happening uh, coming up that you that you want to talk about and can talk about and not yeah. get yourself in trouble? Well, we do have a 13th <laughs> anniversary coming up on May the 25th. And so that will be our 13-year mark of being there, that location. And it's it's been a fantastic run. We've not done a whole lot for the beer celebrations in the past since COVID. Uh, but this year, I think that maybe we're going to try to step out and do something a little bit more ambitious and uh, maybe do something with some food trucks and try to tailor those to the beers we're going to have on. So I'm hopeful for a lot of things coming up. Um, summer has traditionally been a little bit of a slower time for us. Our busier season usually runs Halloween through spring graduation. And so usually between graduation and Halloween, that means that, you know, we're not as busy. What that means is some people kind of like that law because the beer shop's a little bit more calm and they get a little bit more conversations out of me. I don't have to always turn to the next customer. Um, you know, however, you know, there's a lot of distractions during summer. A lot of people are out of town, whether it's um, vacations or whether they're going back home to where they came from, spend time with mom and dad, whatever. Um, there's a lot of yard work, so it takes people away. There's the Red River Gorge and all these activities outside. There's barbecues, there's picnics, there's pool parties. There's a lot of reasons why summer stretches people a little bit thin. And so if you want to come in and enjoy a little more of a quiet beer, a little bit more quiet time, then your season's almost here. Well, and if you're you're doing all those fun activities, you can just uh, stop in the store and get some things to go and, uh, and, and be happy that way as well. And and Kevin, thank you for for hopping on here, kind of last minute <laughs> this week. But it, it's so much fun to talk to you, and and I'm, I love what you guys do at the Beer Trap, and I highly recommend if you're in the Chevy Chase neighborhood in Lexington that you swing by and and thank say you, hi. Jonathan. It's my pleasure. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.